The following message is provided as the views and opinions of the hosts. Some viewers may find these topics controversial. Viewer discretion is advised. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. And I was getting really freaked. With the right conditions, we have an inversion. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. Nobody really knows. This whole thing is a big sham. And what you're seeing here is we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Okay, guys, welcome. Episode number 13, Unearthing 5D Reality. Um, this episode, as you guys can see by the title, we're going into some huge topics here with Marty. And um, we specifically picked Marty Leeds for a, a very big reason. This episode encompasses astrology and encompasses the Bible and encompasses all different religions. Um, and in the first hour, we're really going to kind of harp on Gematria and the idea of um, our, our reality being encoded by numbers and um, how numbers relate to the alphabet and other um, other uh, languages and things like that this this episode um definitely is my favorite episode to date uh, as number 13 that we're going to upload i really like the work that marty is doing i have been just fully diving into everything that he's putting out uh, i like what he's done as far as his work around astrotheology around the bible and gematria around the bible it truly has blown my mind and i think that you guys will feel the exact same way um derek what would you say about this episode well everybody's been asking us about our religious views how do we feel about this or that and in this episode we really do deep dive into these things and we help express how we feel uh, with God being what it is, it's really hard to put words to how we feel about it. And what Marty's done, and he's, he's done an excellent job at bringing these words to life. So that way we could present it in a way that's not offensive to the people who see things a little differently. And at the same time, it's very informative. You're going to learn so much about the world around you. You're going to learn so much about creation and how the stars are a story, a beautiful portrait of our creator that are there for us all to see and for us all to learn from and to observe the truth of our reality. It's it's all written right there. And I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. I just want to ask you to keep an open mind and understand anything that triggers you was it's triggering you for a reason. Yep, 100%. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. I'm not going to take much more of your guys' time because I want you guys to listen to this episode. So um, other than that, um, welcome to episode number 13 with Marty Leeds. If you're trying to find any of the work from Marty, um, his YouTube page is Gnostic Academy. And also we put him in on our affiliate links on our website. So you can just go to the drop down menu and you can go to affiliate links. And I think five or six, somewhere down there, you'll see Gnostic Academy. And um, that's Marty. So um, go check out his stuff. And um, I hope you guys enjoy episode number 13. Okay, guys, um, me and Derek, obviously, as we explained in the intro, um, we are super excited to have Marty Leeds here with us. Um, before we get into anything, Marty, um, just for everybody that doesn't know who you are or where they can find your work, I, I don't mind detailing right away. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find um, what you're teaching and, and what you're doing? The best place is my website. Uh, that's sort of the central hub, GnosticAcademy.org. And then that links up to pretty much everything else. But I'm on, uh, we do Sunday service every every Sunday, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And that's uh, that streams from YouTube and Rockfin. And then it goes out to all the other places, um, or it will soon anyway, BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble. I think we're up on Rumble here, so... Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Um, I've been studying your work intensely. I've bought in um, your pie and the English alphabet. Um, I've been reading through that book as well as I'm waiting on a hard cover of 
um, your Jesus book. And then I also bought the Bible that you're offering as well with um, kind of your like welcome to um, your church and everything. So for everybody that has no idea who Marty is, he kind of leads um, a church around Gnosticism. And I 100%, I don't know if Derek would um, consider himself a member. You can let me know, Derek. But I would definitely consider myself a member of his church. And um, that's huge for me to say. Like, I don't usually go out and join groups or anything like that. But uh, pretty much everything that I've heard um, Marty say, I I would fully back and and second. So, um, Derek, I'll let you chime in before I start talking over everything. (laughs) Yeah, welcome in, everybody. First and foremost, I just, like always, want to thank you. But also... I'd like to just ask everybody to keep an open mind and remember if something triggers you that you hear, it, there's a very good chance that, that that triggering was placed in your mind to control you and to just be open-minded. Don't get attackful when you hear the things that you're going to hear in this episode. But yeah, like Caleb, um, I if I had to put a finger on what I would say my religion is, is Gnostic. I've been Gnostic for a couple years now. I've been trying to learn more and more about it as I can. Uh, Gnosticism's hated. <laughs> it's one of the most hated religions out there, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, in my eyes, that's a sign that you are onto the right thing. Uh, but it's mostly hated by Christians. Uh, and that's not without fault that that happens because Gnosticism kind of goes against what Christianity wants us to believe. So uh, I, I just cannot wait to get to talk to Marty. Marty is an amazing person. I've been watching his videos. Uh, you guys can learn so much from him. Go check out his website, go support his work and enter your journey onto the truth. Yeah. And can you detail for everybody, what is Gnosticism, Marty? Oh, that's a good question. It's a, it's a good thing to start with because Gnosticism means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Really, um, what, how I teach Gnosticism, Gnosticism and it, like what um, you know, I've really gleaned from a lot of the esoteric writers over the years is that uh, – well, I mean Gnosticism is basically defined as knowledge of spiritual mysteries. So that's essentially it. You know, there's a lot of things that are grafted on or um, – you know, sort of like a lot of baggage that comes with Gnosticism, like, oh, they think it's, you know, matters evil and that there's a demiurge and this sort of thing. And that just isn't the case, really. Those are have been attributes of Gnostic sects, you know, or groups, you know, in the past. But um, Gnosticism doesn't have that sort of dogmatic approach. And so really Gnosticism is just about the knowledge of spiritual mysteries. So really it's a focus on the mystery school tradition which is basically understanding that, um, you know, uh, I mean, this this goes into the Eleusinian mysteries and the Pythagorean schools and the Egyptian mysteries and that sort of thing. But basically understanding that all of the great traditions, um, when you get past the exoteric of them, esoterically teach and have at the foundations the same sort of teachings, the same sort of spiritual message, the same transcendental truths, you know. And so that's what I teach Gnosticism to mean and and believe. Gnosticism means to know. That's essentially it. It's just knowledge. And so that's really what we seek in this world um, um, is knowledge of, you know, everything, who we are, where we come from, what we're doing here, what's the nature of reality, what's our relationship with God, where do we want to go, what is, you know, what is this place for, what's my purpose in life? And so Gnosticism is just that pursuit of looking for it, you know, and it's a, uh, you know, an honest, genuine pursuit. Um, the other caveat of Gnosticism is it doesn't really, uh, how do you say this? It doesn't, um, it isn't chained to any um, belief system or structure or organized faith or anything like that. So, um, so in that sense, you know, it's, um, it's very loose. You know what I mean? It doesn't have like many, like many of the organized religions and faiths, that sort of thing. They have a liturgy and they have a structure to the church and that sort of thing. It's very organized where um, Gnosticism is really just a conglomeration of um, many different writers, seekers, authors over the years that have written about the nature of reality and went into the, um, the, the occult, the esoteric the symbolic, the astrological, the etymological, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so that's, that's essentially what Gnosticism is. Yeah. yeah it, and it's, it's super interesting. When I 
I can get lost on your YouTube or your website. I can seriously just get lost in your content. I constantly have to take notes. Um, it, it is a plethora of information, and um, I can't believe that more people aren't looking into your work. I feel like it's just a matter of people finding you and understanding um, what you're kind of teaching in, in general. I, I feel very lucky. Um, I was, I've never heard of Gnosticism. I'd never even heard the word before. Um, just to give everybody an idea, I, I was raised in Utah. I was raised in a Mormon religion, which is a subsection of Christianity. And I, I'd never even heard of Gnosticism. It's very like I, in a bubble here is how I'd explain here in Utah. So hearing that, um, basically my understanding of Gnosticism, just if I were to explain it in a couple short sentences, I would say that it's the study of all religions and how they relate to each other. And again, um, like you said, just wisdom in general around symbolism, um, astrology, and how it all connects to the holy scriptures that were left here by our ancestors. So it's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk more about that. But um, more towards the first, hour we wanted to focus on um gematria and your book um again pi and the english alphabet i've been reading and is super interesting and you've got a lot of relations on how numbers relate to each other with um words and things like that so um i want to jump into that how did you start in and how did you come to even realize that gematria was something that you needed to pay attention to and study? Because from when I'm listening to your other um, sermons and your other podcasts that you've been on, it sounds like you haven't always even been into math or weren't even always good at math. But the moment I turn on any of your content and anybody that uh, any one of our followers that goes and tries to find your content at your website or your YouTube, the moment they start listening, they're going to realize that you're very advanced in math and esoteric understanding. So um, were you always into this stuff or, or how did you get into this? Well, no. Um, I mean, terrible at math, like growing up, you know, um, never focused on anything like that. I got into math basically because I was on a spiritual quest, spiritual pursuit. And so eventually it got to this point of, uh, you know, when you got to God and asking those questions, I didn't, I was sort of always a like rebellious sort, iconoclastic. And I was like, well, I'm not going to take anybody else's opinion or their belief or their, you know, their uh, understanding of God or religion and adopt that. It's like, no, if, if um, God is true, I need a direct experience and I need to be able to prove that. I need to be able to prove God. Otherwise, what, you know, I, I, I'm not, I was never... Uh, satisfied with just a belief, you know, in that sort of sense. So when I was undergoing that, I was like, okay, well, when it gets to things provable, you know, I, you can't trust men, you know, you can't, a lot of times you can't even trust yourself because, you know, you come up with stupid ideas and things like that. So it got to this thing where it was like, okay, well, what can you trust? And that led to um, uh, this notion of, well, mathematics, you know, mathematics doesn't lie. And so as I was undergoing this sort of spiritual quest of trying to find out who I am and the nature of God and that sort of stuff, this ultimately led into um, the study of math. Um, and that was one of the things that was one of the connecting threads that I found when you looked, uh, when you look across culturally or like in comparative mythology, that's the one thing, mathematics, the mention of mathematics or certain geometric forms, that sort of thing, you'll find again and again and again uh, deemed as holy or considered as sacred. And so uh, that was one of the things that drew me in immediately to the study of mathematics and getting into number symbolism and, you know, where you find these things in nature and what math is, what numbers are in general, like what, it, what, what are these things, you know? And then, so that was a long time of studying, um, you know, deeply studying those ideas, heavily studying math for at least a year you know, where I was, you know, consistently focused on it, that sort of thing. And then eventually it led to, um, because there was this spiritual backing, it led to this notion that, you know, there was a lot of spiritual traditions, um, you know, the you know, Jewish or, you know, the Hebrew being a prominent one that, um, you know, there was numbers associated to letters of the alphabet and that the creation story of a lot of these more esoteric um the more esoteric creation stories actually said that the you know the world was built with the like the numbers and letters of the alphabet you know what i mean the the letters of the alphabet and the and numbers you know which was like why what is what the heck is that you know and then you find out this practice is actually all over the world you find it in you know air uh you know the 
Arabic, the abjad letter system. You find uh, number to letter correlates in Greek, um, that sort of thing. And so this obviously this has been a practice that's been around for a long time. So that got me into, well, is there something for English? You know, and so that's a. Uh, yeah, essentially kind of how it happened. It it's really is so interesting how everything can be equated and math is pretty much in all that you say and do and everything around you. Uh, I'm really curious, like uh, there's an actual religion, not the Pythagorean religion, but a newer aged religion that says math is God. Uh, what is your opinion? Like, do you feel as if like math is the thumbprint of God or math is more of God than a thumbprint of God? It's just a, it's, I mean, not just, but it, it's a language is really what it is. So, um, you know, to, to basically explain to the listeners, like the profundity of math, you know, and, and it's, it's um, how it's really uh, supernatural, you know, when you look at math and this is how it's understood across the world, it's universal in its foundation that you actually have um, an alphabet and that alphabet is the number zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And it's with those 10 numbers, you can create any other number in creation, right? And it doesn't matter how big or complex that number is. So what you have with those 10 numerals or digits is actually a numeric alphabet, okay? And so uh, so right there, then you this actually leads to the 10 emanations of God and why, you know, the Pythagoreans her- heralded the Tetractus. This goes on and on and on. But uh, the point being is that, you know, numbers themselves are ordered, they're sequential, and they go on forever, right? So zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but and it literally goes infinitely. Well, all of those numbers are in an order, so they're natural, they're, they have a sequence, so they're naturally ordered. Not only that, but every single one of those numbers has divisors, has qualities, attributes to it, has uh, reflections in geometry, Right. Uh, all of these things, you know, all the all, you know, that all the attributes and qualities you can find within these numbers and those knows those numbers go infinitely. So here you have literally a language that by itself is infallible because you can never change the, you know, any of the qualities of numbers. You can't like go in and just all of a sudden say seven is not going to be a prime anymore. It doesn't work that way. They're incorruptible, infallible. They're everywhere at once. They're available to all people. They're universal, meaning that all the, the you know all the attributes and things like that are the same to every single human being, no matter when you existed on this plane of existence, or or you know when or where or what language you spoke or what religion you are or what race you are. And the so these numbers are literally everywhere. And then you say, so what they really are is. Um, is well, like I said, it's a language, but it's uh, it's proof of an intelligence behind the creation itself. Is literally what numbers are, because there it's it's and this and the language itself is found everywhere. You know, you find it in the very building of the house I'm in right now, and you can also go outside and see um, these mathematical design. You know, these patterns within nature itself. And can so, you give us some examples you know, th- of that, that for the listeners? Just some, yeah, some, maybe some ones the, that you, basically somebody were to come up into you and be like, well, how do I know Jamatra? How do I know things are being encoded in our reality? And you some obvious ones that are that are really cool. Um, could you um, detail some of that that kind of just like you lines up to the point where we know like it's 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 in it's for sure that we're, it's being encoded. Well, I was I was speaking there more of more about, you know, when you look into nature being the numbers themselves, you know, uh, not speaking directly on Gamatra here, but numbers themselves being recognized in in nature. Like even when you look at a flower, that flower Mm -hmm. grows into the pattern it grows into because and, you know, it's based on fundamental geometry, you know, so it has its own pattern, its own order, its own growth. And it can be understood through this language that once again is everywhere, that sort of thing. So leading to Gematria, the the mystics of old obviously recognized that um the the power of that 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 language of God. It was literally a sacred alphabet, a language of God that's everywhere, available to all people, universal, that sort of thing. And so then because this language is so interpenetrating everywhere, as God is. You know, it ultimately led, as it led me to being like, okay, well, is there this, is there math behind our alphabet? You know, is is there math behind the very language that we're speaking? And of course, you know, 
accordingly there is you know um so then it gets into you know where do you find this uh evidence of this you know being used in the world and stuff like that well that's a whole conversation but you can find at least the cipher that we that we discussed on our uh, on my channel you can find it symbolically encoded in tons of things all over the world and so that gets into a whole i don't know where we want to go from there but yeah i have a, a question that's plagued me since i heard about it uh there is a huge interest in prime numbers like uh there's like massive awards for people figuring out equations that involve prime numbers and uh, like how they are themselves infinite. Uh, what is like, is, is this because people are trying to like really dissect and understand this language that uh, our creator speaks? Or would you like put your thumb on a different purpose for why these people would be so curious in prime numbers? Because I'm sure you're aware if you looked into it, there's a huge interest in prime numbers. And it's just something I've, you know, I tried to, I don't understand why. Does that get into transcendental numbers too, Marty? yeah well i mean so one of the things about primes is that the, you know a lot of people they they're they're seeking for an order as to like why the primes unfold as they do what you know this is once again what i'm saying is it's evidence of um an intelligence behind creation itself because once again not only are you looking for an order of those prime numbers but um they are located in a sequence of order of numbers that starts from zero, one, two, three, and like I said, grows sequentially. You know, the question that we that most people should be asking is where does any of that shit comes from, come from in the first place? It's not like invented by anyone. It's not created by anyone. It's just understood. And like I said, it then it's uh, and it's everywhere at once. It's literally metaphysical numbers themselves. They're supernatural. They're they work within nature, but they're not anywhere material in nature they're metaphysical they work within the physicality but they're beyond the physical so um it's evidence and proof in my opinion of of a of a creator of a divine intelligence the focus to the focus on primes as you're asking is just another one of these things like you know the the mysteries of math itself just like why is why is pi 3.14159265353 etc goes on to infinitely this has been one of those queries you know of of riddles of, that you find within math you know mathematicians um investigate all the time because there there are these mysteries within math you know so uh i i love that you brought that up because i i watched your video on squaring the circle on how because pi is infinite, it's impossible to match the exact surface of a circle to a square. Uh, is like, what is the significance behind this? Does it, is there a deeper meaning behind uh, squaring the circle? Well, this is the thing that it's like when you realize that math is a language and it's a, and it's a divine language. It's like, okay, it's like through this, God is speaking to you in this sense. Okay, and speaking to you through the 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 riddles of the geometry and everything like that, like for instance, when you talk about um, you know when you see the order and pattern of nature and God in in, in this sense God or the Creator speaking to us through that you know um, us going into nature and extracting the higher order and the intelligence behind it, this is one of the ways God speaks in this sense to humanity. So when you go out into nature and you find you know, um, the proportion of the Fibonacci, you know, the the proportion of phi, right? Um, it's the golden ratio, golden mean. A lot of people know this, right? Well, that proportion is found in the the number, is the pentagram. It's found in the, literally the geometry of the number five. So it's, you know, numbers themselves, mathematics itself is this language. And when you go in and understand the qualities and properties of the number itself, you start speaking the language of the creator, you know? Um, and so that gets into all sorts of things like, you know, the mystery of pi, and this gets into ma why mathematical constants become so important, why you find uh, so much of this math tied to religious symbolism, whether that be the Trinity or, you know, the ever presence of uh, the ever, ever present uh, holy number seven that's, you know, in literally every single culture. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, uh, the, the, the thing that we find in our current culture 
in modernity is that, you know, in the past, this was well understood, well, you know, it was studied, it was uh, expounded upon, it was elaborated on in, in many different schools, because it was just part of the seven classic liberal arts, you know, number and geometry being part of, you know, the, the quadrivium, trivium and quadrivium, you know. Our modern school systems, you know, don't, don't, they don't teach any of that shit. So, and of course, they teach people uh, math and in this awful way so that people tend to hate it, you know. So um, this whole base of knowledge is really the foundation of learning itself, you know, when you start getting into number and geometry. Like we've ne- most people do not have a proper education. Well, a proper education comes from the the trivium and the quadrivium and part of the quadrivium is this. And it's so foundational because of because of its sacred nature, you know. Yeah, I lit- I literally picked up that um that book, the quadrivium book. I'm gonna read through it definitely. Um, one thing about numbers that I see often in the truth community, and I know that's not like everybody's favorite analogy of what the community is, but um, they they are scared of the numbers like uh, and and i was too i'll admit like i used to post videos around the number 33 and 666 and and i still i and i still um do believe that um some of those numbers are evil but not inherently um numbers aren't inherently evil themselves it's the intention behind the numbers um similar to words or, or anything else in this reality it's all based on intent so when people see numbers like in the news where they're saying 33 they're saying 322 the skull and bones number or uh, 11 alistair crowley's most evil number as he would say um i don't want people to just immediately get scared of numbers because um you and of yourself use the number 33 um right marty and i i feel like i almost want to ask if you use that in, in intent to kind of guide people down that and force them down that thought process of why is Marty using the number 33? Because if you look up Marty's website, it's MartyLeads33.com. And that doesn't mean that Marty Leeds is a Freemason, a 33rd degree Freemason, and he's evil or anything like that. And we've already kind of gone over with our community, our, our beliefs on Freemasonry. And I'm sure it's exactly like yours where it it isn't evil. And, and after studying your work, I'm learning more and more about it because when I look into your library, there's tons of um, Freemasonry books and occult books. And um, I, I'm really trying to change my mind and, and where, um, Hey, I can take these books and maybe I can learn something from them, even though we might say Albert Pike is a a high level Freemason, whatever you want to assume about him. Can we still learn things from these people? Are they are they offering um, occult information that would be helpful to us in figuring out this reality? And from what I've learned from you, it, it is yes. And it, it's really opening up my mind, which is really cool, which uh, I would love to express to the audience. Like these numbers aren't inherently uh, inherently evil and neither are, is, is Freemasonry. Back when Freemasonry started from what I've been able to deduce is that it basically was a society that was trying to encode and hold sacred information that was going to be destroyed whether or not um, it was good back then or bad i'm not sure right now what would i say about freemasonry at the highest levels it's evil that's what i would say past the 30th degree i think that they're an allegorically or or, uh, metaphysically worshiping the the um this archetype lucifer but um Either way, I think that we can always learn something from anybody, and that's what Gnosticism in and of itself kind of encompasses is that we can learn everything from um, every religion, and they all are kind of encoding the same stories, which is um, really cool. That And I want to bring it up to everybody. The Trinity is found in like basically every single religion, which is the number three of three godheads basically adding up to uh, the Trinity. So um, it's really cool looking into your stuff. What would you add to that? Would you add anything to that? um marty about like kind of freemasonry and then the 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 scary numbers what would you add to that well just like um going out you know uh when i first well i've always been this way but when i got into this subject specifically or these subjects the cult subjects like i said i was very iconoclastic and so you know, people would say things like, oh, yeah, Freemasonry is evil or the number 13 is evil or the number 666 is evil. And I would always just want to go, well, why? You know, like, don't just give me and most of not even say I'm going to say most of the time I would say 
nearly all of the time. It was just somebody giving you their opinion that was based on some sort of superstition or ignorance or something like that. So I went into these things myself with just a completely open mind, untethered and unshackled to any sort of belief system or, you know, and not scared of anything. Like I I also had a strong enough heart that if I was going to go into something and find it that it was, you know, satanic or whatever, I would get the heck out because why would I want anything to do with that? So I went into things like number 13, number 666, uh, you know, the the occult, the, the occult in general, even anything related to the occult by by many people's standards, as Caleb, you were saying growing up, you can't even open that door. That door isn't even mm-hmm. known to some uh, people, you know. And so I went into with just gusto and gumption. I was just like, well, I'm going to go in and I'm just going to find out what the genuine article of this shit is, right? Mm-hmm. And so you go into this stuff and you realize that, yeah, like, you know, the, the 666 thing is, uh, is it's it's literally uh, people not under. I mean, uh, it's sort of a meme that's that's grabbed hold over the years, many, many years. And it's uh, it's it's founded on nothing. It's like people say, well, yeah, the number it says it in the Bible. And, you know, it's related to the <laughs> devil, you know, 1318 revelation. You know, you can read it yourself. You know, but then you read further and it's you find out that, no, well, a bunch of saints actually overcame and had victory over this beast and then took the number, you know, so it's actually a number of conquering the devil is actually what the number represents, you know, if you just read it scripturally. And so there was things like that, that was huge tells to me that I was like, okay, well, so much of when you deal with these subjects, you're not dealing with people that are actually well-versed and well-studied and open-minded and, you know, willing to bring their high level of analysis and discernment to these topics and really get to the heart of the matter. What you, what you're really dealing with is a bunch of people just really, like I said, superstitious, superstitious and losing their minds over this stuff. Freemasonry is another big one. I, when I first heard about Freemasonry, you know, it was, I was, I think I first picked, Picked my first book up in Masonry, maybe 27, 28 years old, something like that, right? And I remember picking it up and being like, wait, are these guys the devil worshippers? Is that what is that what's going on? Then I got into the actual writers and and the people surrounding Masonry. And it was, you know, and I had been a pretty avid reader, uh, you know, all the way up to that point in my life, you know, and beyond that, of course. But uh, up to that point in my life, I was very avid reader. So I read all sorts of different stuff, mythology and classic works of literature and science and quantum physics and blah, 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 blah. But then I got to the mysteries, like these occult writers and esotericists, and they freaking blew my mind. I had never read anything that was so connected, you know, had uh, there was so many connections you could make and, you know, discussing topics um, eloquently and elaborately, like, you know, uh, you know, everything from archaeoastronomy to symbolism to the, the you know, the, the alchemy and all this other stuff that I had, you know, never heard before. But that was some of the best writing I'd ever experienced, you know, bar none. And so that was like, okay, wait a second. So I got into it and I was like, well, this shit's awesome. You know, and I, my intelligence and my own spiritual um, quest grew because of this. Then, you know, you go online as I, as I learned, and I learned this freaking 10, now 12 years ago or whatever it is now that you, you go online and you present this sort of thing, you know, like, oh, Freemasonry isn't all bad. Yeah. There might be some corruption here and there, but mm-hmm. you know, all things go corrupt, but that's not what it's about. It's not mm-hmm. about devil worship or sacrificing children or worshiping Lucifer, any of that sort of stuff, as most people believe. What it actually is, as you mentioned, is it's a it's a compendium and library of of keeping ancient wisdom alive. And it's actually a, a, a basically a recapitulation, recapitulation of the modern day mystery schools. So and that's what I really understood reading it for, you know, a decade plus now um was that and and that's everything i you know gathered you know you know garnered from it and that's what i teach now um i I just i'm curious uh, do you think that they've taught us to hate this because of all of the truth that does reside in these different uh freemasons and these other groups the esoteric wisdom that's being hidden do you think we're trained to be like spiteful towards these things because of the information we could receive could actually be really helpful I mean, that's part of, you know, for, uh, that's part of how the devil works, if you will, right, um, it, it is, you know, to basically, the, the first thing is, is anything that's really good, true and beautiful, 
and really going to emanate light that actually is helpful for humanity and leads us back to God and the will of God and that sort of thing. The first thing you're going to find is the devil getting all up in that business. Do you know what I mean? Because he's going to want to per- pervert and distort and invert and, and you know, get you to look the other way. This is one of his main tricks, if you will. And I'm, you know, um, and so, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, it's, as I say, you know, it isn't to say that there isn't aspects of, of masonry, masonry throughout the years or people that have been masonry that aren't to blame for some wicked shit. There is, but that's not to, you know, that's not uh, masonry fault or the tradition of masonry or the people involved in that some of the some of the greatest people i know that have been masons like the most charitable and loving kind people you know um so yeah but um you know it's it's a it's a i as i say it's a lazy and easy thing to to blame masonry for everything in the world that's what a lot of people do and there's been a, a euphemism known at the lodge about this and it's called um it's called riding the goat and so they always make a joke about this because, you know, everybody just blames the Mason. Oh, it's those guys down at the lodge. And it's really a misdirection. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, because as as we see today, it's, you know, when you look at the World Economic Forum, I mean, you look at most of these people, they're not Masons. They're not. They're involved in the occult. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and they know this body of information. Absolutely. But does that mean they're Masons? No, not at all. And so that's the sort of thing that's misconstrued by most a lot of people in this quote unquote community. I never um, thought that I would have somebody be able to change my mind on that. I was that guy. I used to make videos just fighting with Freemasons, saying they're all worshiping the devil. It's really crazy, like what you've opened up my mind to. And that's why, um, if I can say anything to anybody watching this episode, is go listen to Marty. Um, go listen to his sermons. I'm really sad I missed your Sunday um, sermon um, this Sunday. I was able to watch the the replay of it, obviously, but I I totally. Wanted, I thought it was going to be live on your website. I didn't know it was on your YouTube, and um, but I'll definitely be there for next Sunday. So I hope that everybody that is a member here, I want to see them in the chat at the um, next Sunday sermon um, where Marty is teaching because your your stuff is truly amazing. And I will be studying your work, and I will buy every book that you produce. So, um, But it really is beautiful, the, the fact that you opened up my mind to that idea. Like I have Freemasonry books downstairs in, in my house that – I kind of just bought to try to understand it and be able to, you know, go back and forth with Freemasons. And I will now, instead of flipping through them, trying to find satanic things, I'll be fully reading them, trying to get everything that I can get out of them. So it's really cool that you've changed my mind. And um, I think this is a start where we have to change all of the truth community's minds about this so that we can better focus and um, better kind of understand the Zionists and who is doing this at the end of the day, because we don't want to point, you know, blame at, at people that, that aren't necessarily doing anything or don't necessarily do know that they're doing anything wrong. Um, I want to hop us over into the number 432 and the number 440, though. Um, I'm reading from your book here, and I just want to read a couple of the points that you made just to show everybody how interesting this number 432 is and kind of where it is all over. Um, the earth has 24 hours in a day clocked with 60 seconds in a minute and 60 seconds in an hour. One half day, therefore, consists of 432,000 seconds. 60 times 60 times 12 equals 432,000. The degree of phylotaxis multiplied by pi equals 432. 137.5 times 3.142 equals 432.025. Um, there are 432 Buddha statues in Borobudur, Indonesia, and in Mahayana Buddhist temple. And there are 432 statues. Um, Kali Yuga is said to last 432,000 years. Um, th- there's so many more here. You go on for a whole other page explaining um, the encoding and the significance of 432. Um, can you kind of talk about what your personal opinion is um, around the number 432? And like I everybody, if, if um, the audience doesn't know, they used to have our music on 432, like frequency or hertz, and now they've switched it to 440. What is your opinion on why they did this and um, just um, some cool thoughts that you have on this number 432? And maybe if you want to bring up Pi as well, um, I'd be okay with that. Yes, we're going to start here. Um, okay, well, 
Let's uh, well, I'll first say this: four thirty-two. Whenever you see the whole thing in uh, with the four thirty-two hertz that you find in music, mm-hmm. is really um, exemplified really well when you look at the somatics because you know when you tune to four thirty-two hertz, it does you know, uh, create this really sort of complex geometric forms. If you look into like a somatic plate and you tune to 440 and it gets sort of chaotic, you know? And so a lot of people have mentioned that it's like, oh, there's, there's something happened along the way. A lot of people blame the Nazis or something, but they blame the Nazis for everything. So, uh, but they said, you know, somebody along the way, you know, switched this. And, um, I will say this, I didn't, you know, that, that was very intriguing to me because of the, you know, geometry and that sort of thing. Um, but then I didn't really, I was always just still tuned to 440. And then one day I actually tuned to 432 and I immediately just felt it just sounded brighter. It just really did for some reason. And then I started singing with it and it was a lot easier to sing with. So that's my own experience with 432. Like as soon as I tuned to it, I was like, it does sound brighter. There seems to be a, a warmth to it. You know, um, and so I, I tuned to 432 now. Um, I just because I literally just like it more. Um, so there's that. But the number 432, whenever um, whenever you get into the study of like sacred numbers, and uh, this is this idea of basically going into the creation itself and extracting these numbers from the creation, from the natural intelligence that is found within the creation from the creator. Um, you know, one of the first things you'll go to is uh, what you what you mentioned there is the cycles of time itself, because that's one of the ways that we actually um, specifically relate mathematics to our cosmos is that we count the sun, we count the moon, we count the cycle of Mer- Mercury and Venus and, and and understand its geometric patterns. So, um, uh, you know, there's 86,400 seconds in a day, half a day would be four, four, 43,200. And so when you get into number symbolism and, you know, numerology and things like that, you look at these base numbers being 108, 216, 432, 864. And then you start to realize that these numbers that are found inherently within creation, literally just mapping and tracking the sun, you can find it in all these other places, which shows that there's this crazy, uh, this is what it showed me anyway, there's this crazy interconnectivity that's happening within this language of math. And when you go into it, what you're doing is actually learning the sort of creative way in which God has made the world. So 432 is um, one one of the ones that you you mentioned there was, um, this is an important one too, you know, thinking about the world as many mystics and, you know, those sort of folk, that sort of ilk has, is that this is a, there's a harmony, there's a resonance, that there's a, um, uh, music of the spheres is really what's creating this world. A uh, harmonious word, if you will, that reverberates through the whole thing. Uh, when you look at uh, the degree of phylotaxis, which is the degree in which a lot of plants will grow, it's at a degree of 137.5. And this is the fundamental sort of um, design of the plant itself as it grows. So you take this fundamental degree found all throughout nature, 137.5. You multiply it by pi, which is a mathematical constant used everywhere, you know, uh, you get 432 just naturally. So it seems this number, literally just by looking at mathematical constants um, and their relationship, that this number just appears kind of thing. Um, you know, and like you said, there's there's so many references across the world in all these different religions, whether that's Buddhism or you go to the Norse or the, you know, that sort of thing, Hindu that they mention this number specifically. And then you say, well, why? Why not 437? Why not 169? Why 432? Well, you go into uh, the natural order of creation itself and it will unveil this, this, uh, these truths to you, you know? Do you think it has something to do with like the fact that we're spoken into existence and like that might be the resonance frequency of existence altogether? And that's why it resonates with us when, uh, we encompass ourselves in this in this tone. Uh, do you think that has something to do with the fact that we were spoken into existence? Well, the I mean, so many. I mean, there's so many 
there's a whole chapter in the book on Lord Jesus Christ that I, I go over this and it's basically like the holiness of the word. And this idea of the word is found in all a bun bunch of different cultures. And that's that notion that you're saying. That's like that we were spoken into existence. We, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how, you know, the Kabbalists would say that the, 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 the creation of the world was created by number and the letters of the alphabet, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, when you, when you talk about in the beginning was the word and the word is with God or in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth and, and God said, and God said, let there be light. God spoke creation to an existence. Well, that's a tone. That's a sound. That's, you know, reverberation through um, uh, letters and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, I think there's a lot there. You know, th this the idea that there's mathematics behind creation lends itself to the fact that there would be a musicality or a rhythm rhythm to it, which we know there is. There is a rhythm to the pattern of the moon. There's a rhythm to the pattern of the seasons of the sun. There's a rhythm to the pattern of all of this stuff. So um, that lends itself to the fact that, yeah, the you know, as Psalms talks about, that God is the chief musician, you know. That's so cool. Um, I would be curious to see if you um, are familiar with anybody else's work. Do you study anybody else that does gematria? One person that I can think um, that I, I keep tabs on and I do like to study their work just because he blows my mind all the time um, would be Zach um, from Gematria Effect News on YouTube. He does a lot of work basically just kind of showing how the um, leaders and the news articles and the news um, um, networks are using numbers to encode reality. Do you ever do any work like that, or do you more or less just stay away from that because you're so distracted trying to decode the Bible and other spiritual texts? Well, I'm not. You know, this this actually becomes a point of contention between like me and a lot of other these these guys. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm not mm -hmm. in support of anything that those that those guys do. Um, there's a bunch of reasons why. Number one, um, you know, gematria itself is a spiritual science. It's it's literally, and that's how I got into it. You know, mm -hmm. was studying the, you know, the spiritual aspects of of numbers and number symbolism, things like that. And then when you look into the history of gematria, that's what it's used for. It's what you know, most people think of gematria and they think of the cabal and the secret elite of the world running mm -hmm. shit and encoding stuff, but that's really not what it's about at all. Um, you will get into because you deal with in, in this subject, you'll deal in theology and the people that run the world are it's a theological mafia, you know, so to understand what they're doing, you have to go past politics and societal beliefs and things like that and go straight to their belief in God. And so therefore, Gamatria will lead you into, um, uh, you know, cons conspiracies and things like that. But I do not do the, you know, looking at the news and, you know, typing a bunch of stuff into a calculator and making connections because mm -hmm. another reason for that is you know, there's multiple ciphers that a lot of these people are using. Well, just doing that alone is breaks logical fallacies. You know, logical fallacies are at the foundation of your um you know, logical arguments and, and debate and things like that. And as soon as you bring multiple ciphers in and allow yourself that sort of freedom, what you're doing is actually, you know, literally creating logic, logic fallacies with, uh, um, you know, uh, Texas sharpshooting and cherry picking and, and that sort of thing. And so I stay away from that. Um, Gamatria, this, the, what Gamatria is there to do is under, is help you understand how profound our language is. Um, and so I use a specific cipher for that, that I've actually uncovered from the Bible. But, you know, when you look at our language, it's highly specific, highly specific, meaning that, you know, words are spelled specifically, they have spe specific phonetics, um, they have specific meanings, they have specific roots, things like that. We use them specifically, there's an order and, and, um, and syntax when, with our language and how that we you know, when we put sentence structures together and stuff like that, there's, you know, that's rules of grammar, you know, and uh, so all of these things are hyper specific. So when you get into gematria, gematria is specifying that spe specificity even more. That's what it's supposed to be doing. So when you find a number behind a word, it's supposed to give you greater insight into that word. And there's a specific number attached to that word. When you use four, five, 20 different ciphers as a, yeah, a mishmash of whatever you want and assign things, essentially whatever you want. And that gets dangerous because you're no longer seeking truth. You're, um, you know, sort of fitting whatever you, what are your, whatever your personal agenda is to the map. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
that I think that that's huge. And I'm really glad that I brought that up because I didn't think that I think I didn't think I thought you were going to answer that completely different. So um, I think that's huge. And and for me, that again, like the more I listen to you and talk to you, you open up my mind to so many things. And I don't know what it is. It's just the way you word it. I don't know. I really respect your opinion. But um, yeah, I used to think like that. I literally would look into all these. Um, do you pronounce is it Gematria or Gematria? Does it matter? I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Okay, Some okay, people, okay. I was you know, curious. They, I, I've yeah, heard both. Yeah, I've heard it as both. So, but yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, and because people, I know if you guys go and try to look into um, Gematria on YouTube or these other social networks, you're going to find that over and over. What um, um, you just said is that people are relating this to the occult and they're trying to show how they're using it to encode the news and things like that, where you're taking Gematria and you're making it beautiful, which I'd never seen before for and which blew my mind the moment i opened your book so um i'm really glad that we brought you on to get this across to everybody and and start out and because a lot of our um i know a lot of our audience probably isn't even familiar with gematria this is going to be a whole um new topic to that people are jumping into and especially they aren't familiar with the beautiful side of gematria where you're using um 432 and these other beautiful numbers that you're um, finding from the bible and um also from your book you're fi- you're using your hands and things like that and i'd like you to kind of talk about that the encoding um if you can around the number 28 and also um, how you're using your hands to um, um, get to that number and, and relate it to other places in our realm. Yeah, let me say one thing quick that'll lead into this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things that you find with the Gematrianator people or those, you know, people that do a lot of Gematria online and just are constantly looking into the occult and stuff. What you'll find is that most of those people, if not nearly all of them, are essentially numerically illiterate. You know, like I said, before I got to Gematria, what I did was actually study number symbolism and how it, you know, how they relate to one another and what their qualities are and divisors. Are they a prime? Are they not? Odd even? What is the geometry? And understood that as, um, you know, signifiers of design and a creator in the world. So, you know, most people that get into Gematria, they start with just punching a bunch of numbers into a calculator and having no idea what those numbers actually mean in and of themselves. And so therefore you get, you know, part of the issue um, leading into this, leading into the hands and things like that. This was this notion of numbers are um, these signifiers once again, or uh, it's a language of the divine or signifiers of the divine. It led, you know, the, uh, the esoteric path or the mystical path leads you to this notion of, okay, well, uh, know thyself. You know, you have to ultimately, if you're trying to understand your relationship to God and what you're doing here and, you know, all those, all these huge questions that we're inundated by in our, in our lives, uh, you have to know yourself. You have to look at yourself and be like, okay, what, you know, we start with square one kind of thing. So when I started studying math, that was, you know, eventually after, you know, I looked down and I was like, oh, okay, look at this. Our hands are segmented and they have all these little pieces on them. You know, it's like God put math right in front of you and your hands um, and the little segments of your hands are actually one of the only things on your body besides your toes, mind you, that actually have are naturally segmented and actually like, you know, in this sense, sort of like, uh, you know, um, almost like enumerated in this sense, they're they're naturally segmented and they're right before you. And so you have 28 phalanges on your hands. So there's three on each finger four fingers so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve and then two on the thumb and that's 14 and 14 and so you know when i saw that and the first time i did this i was like oh that's 28 and because i had done number you know i'd done a lot of studying number i was like oh whoa that's the seven triangular number you know so here we have the seventh you know seven triangular number just being one two three four five six seven you add them up and you get you get the number that's that god is placed right in front of you you know, so at, for years of studying, like all of these cultures that, you know, venerated the number seven and it was, you know, you know, prominently placed in their creation stories or whatever it is. And it's like, well, why? This was my question. Why? Why the number seven? Like, I want an answer, God. Like, why? And then one day it was like, oh, well, it's right in front of you kind of thing. So it's like, oh, you can see why so many of these cultures focused on the number seven. The creation story in Genesis is based on the number seven. The first, you know, the first 
uh, Surah and the Quran is seven verses. You know, you could just go on and on and on with the number seven. Fifty-four times the number seven is mentioned in Revelation. Well, why? You know, and this leads to, right to uh, once again what um, this study is supposed to lead you to. What the study of uh, number symbolism and gematria is actually supposed to lead you to, and it's a better understanding of yourself and your relationship to God. So when you look down, it's like, oh, I'm. Why is seven sacred? You know, well, it's displayed right in front of you. Um, so it starts to um, answer a lot of the riddles, in my opinion, and it has for me anyway. That's that's exactly what me and Derek are, are were saying, and we've said over the last week that we've been um, encompassing ourselves in your literature and your and your sermons. Um, one thing I want to get out in the first hour, because I know that we're getting towards the top of um, the first hour, is I really truly think that you are establishing um, spiritualism in a way that is comprehensive and um is applicable to all religions all across the world what you are doing is truly awesome and insane and uh, i will forever um probably be listening to your stuff i i can't get that i can't say that enough it's truly crazy once you really start listening um to marty's stuff and start understanding numbers and and i'd recommend reading his books how many books do you, have you written I don't know, not eight or nine or something. I wrote, um, I you know, I wrote the Pine English Alphabet series, which was uh, three books, but then I had done like uh, updates on them, and then this last one. So I don't know, nine books, something like that. Wow, and um, I, I he's have, been I think I have four out now, three, three or four out now. So I love it. And your next one, I'm super, super looking forward to. So you got to hurry and get it out. Um, Scriptures in the Sky, or what? What was the name of the new one that you're writing right now? Um, yeah, working literally working on it right, right. Yeah, scripture and the stars. So I'm working on that, and that's uh, taking a lot of the biblical stories and relating them to the stars above. Yeah, and just so you guys know, I want everyone to be aware. Um, Marty is doing um, segments and sermons essentially on his YouTube, where he's taking um, New Testament scriptures and, and chapters and breaking them down astrologically and um, etymologically, and and it's truly crazy and beautiful how um, you can relate it to the sky, and it's really been a really big help for me because I'm starting to read through the Bible for the first time. Um, I'm also reading the Bhagavad Gita. Um, I'm ordering the Quran and. Uh, any other uh, scripture that I can get my hands on just to read them because um, I've always kind of felt like that as a kid, even as a kid, I as going into um, the Mormon religion and going into church, I was kind of like, well, these guys are saying that every other church is wrong, but how do I know that for myself unless I read their scriptures and I, I read their books? And um, growing up, I've always just seen that as too big of a task because I've never been a reader, and I think that that's going to be an over um a, a, a repeating thing with this next generation where we're not raised to read and learn out of books people are going to the internet and they can search their the one little thing and they can get right off they've learned what they were looking for instead of having to read through an entire book and learn everything that's in that book um it, it's truly sad to me because um i didn't start picking up reading until i found crow and you especially you you're also um been a huge help with like finding literature that i i should be reading and that i want to read to help my vocabulary and expanse it and um i hope that this encourages more people to do that in and of itself is just study knowledge and study wisdom because it's so interesting and it's extremely beautiful looking into um gematria and how it relates to the bible and um how it relates to everything and 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 um how we they all how all of these religions kind of came up with um the same idea somehow but they're all split all across the world it's it's really cool looking into this and i, I again i just love that you're um, doing what you do, and I hope that you continue to. But I know that we are getting um, towards the top of the hour, so I want to let Derek um, get in here and um, get um, any last questions in. Derek, do you have any last questions before we jump into the second hour where um, – Essentially, guys, we wanted to focus on Gematria in this. Um, we're going to focus on Gematria more in the second hour, but we're more or less going to also go into the idea of religion and and go into, again, just the ideas of the Bible and um, how astrology relates to them and uh, etymology and these these really cool different ideas. So, um, Derek, do you have any last questions that you want to get across or ask to um, uh, Marty before we jump into the second hour? 
Well, uh, so yeah, one thing that I'm curious on is like, it, it seems like Gematria was more or less discovered as like a hidden language and not so much uh, generated by by us. I'm just curious, like if the if the Freemasons and these other hidden occult knowledges know these things, why why don't they why do they keep it a secret? Like what would possess them to uh, have all of this good information that could benefit the world and really help people grow spiritually and to truly find themselves? Uh, what's the purpose of keeping that kind of thing hidden? Is is it because if they were open about it, uh, they would be destructive like anybody else who does try to bring truth to the world? Or uh, that's just one thing that's kind of bothering me about the whole uh, thing is like they they hide very important information and they keep it amongst themselves when this information would really help people uh, to feel okay with this world and to understand themselves in a way that they could grow and learn and uh, eventually reach a point of spirituality where they're comfortable in their skin and they don't feel as if uh, they're out of place or lost or just with the big hole in their heart. So that's kind of one of the things that bothers me is uh, that they do keep it secret. So I'm just kind of wondering, where's your idea on that, on why they would like to keep this secret while they possess some of the greatest information the world could ever come across? Well, it depends like who you mean by they, because, you know, we do know that the elite of the world that see us as the plebes, you know, see us as the chattel, they're obviously well adept, you know, at least at some of the higher levels of of understanding this occult knowledge, understanding what everything, the purpose of Earth, what the shape of the Earth is, what we're doing here, gematria, sacred, you know, go down the list. Um, the problem that actually happens is people think that they and they laud this at Freemason, like a Freemasonry, like the secrets that are held within the lodge is this information and these people know it and they're not allowing this information out. And that's actually not the case at all. Most free, I mean, I would say not, I'm not even most, I would say nearly every single Freemason out there does not know the secrets of Gematria. In fact, this is one of the things you'll learn when you get into Freemasonry and take it seriously, right? One of the main myths of, um, a folklore myths that's central to masonry is that the it's uh Hiram Abiff and the lost Masonic word. And so there's this notion that this guy, um, Hiram Abiff, who helped build Solomon's temple, was attacked by three ruffians. They wanted this sacred word of God, and Hiram didn't give it up because they weren't worthy of it. And so finally, these guys killed him, and the sacred word has been lost. So the whole um, project of Freemasonry over the years, the tradition has been the recovery of this lost Masonic word. And endless writers have written about this. It's part of the main myth of Masonry. It's one of the first things you'll learn to go in, you know, that sort of thing. So really what Masonry is all about is trying to seek out that that which is lost. So um, uh, so that that's, you know, the, the actual knowledge or, you know, the wisdom or the answers to all this stuff is not what is being held as, quote unquote, the secrets in masonry. The reason you have um, just to just to make a point on this, the reason you have the quote unquote secrets of masonry is literally to entice people into the order so that they will uh, undergo that spiritual path themselves. Um, masonry is all about being autodidactic. It means that, look, you have to go and knock, you have to go and ask, and you have to go and hike the mountain yourself, you know? And so all of these things that the Masons do is literally to entice people into the mysteries to be like, Hey, what are you doing there? What does this mean? What does this symbol mean? And, and that's, I mean, I'll just tell you guys this, that's exactly what it did for me because I kept asking the question, like, what is going on here? Then you go into masonry and find out that a lot of these guys, they don't know what's going on. Literally, they write endless books about, quote unquote, the mysteries, what all this stuff means. But they do, um, the reason that they exist is because they, they, uh, they care so much about keeping the stuff alive because they do know that it has this divine import this crazy uh you know uh that the, the the truth is there you know um and that's exactly what i found in masonry so to answer your question there are people in the world that absolutely hide this stuff because they don't give a shit about you or me or anybody they only care about themselves um but you know uh, what happens is a lot of like i said masonry gets blamed for this and that's just not the case it it seems like they they always hide behind good because they like 
Uh, I've always had the belief that like the average Masons aren't bad. My uncle's a Mason. Uh, and I've always kind of seen him as, you know, like a seeker order. Yes. But one that was maybe trying to preserve the truth of the world and that the, the upper levels of it was infiltrated because, uh, the lower levels are so good and they do feed the homeless and they do good things in their community that, you know, if you don't know much, you, you, you understand that it can't be the Masons. Uh, if you, if you're not keen to the idea that, their upper levels may have been hijacked. So that's just something that does bother me. And uh, being, you know, like making it where you do have to seek it out. That that's a cool answer. I like that. Uh, I, it kind of like implies that they know that we're eternal and like that this isn't your one and only shot to, you know, make it to where you think you're going. Uh, Cause like, if, if you were to believe that we go to hell, if you don't find the truth or whatever, this is your one and only life then that would seem in a way like uh, they're harming the society. Uh, but if they do understand that this whole world is about spiritual journey and self-discovery and uh, you walking out there and looking for it, then yeah, it, it that's a good answer. Yeah. I think that um, uh, take from this exactly what um, Marty is explaining, like take, freemasonry at its face value you can study their books and not become a freemason like that's what i've basically learned from this and it's it's really beautiful and it's really opened up my eyes because uh, i'm excited to study the occult and i'm really into philosophy and and um, the writings of ancient philosophers now which i never was before again i wasn't even i like have read three books in my entire life before i started getting into these books with crow and, and you and um i've already purchased like five books from the library that um you've got posted on your website so um what i would tell everybody um go check out marty's website at gnosticacademy.org or uh, martyleads33.com i believe um and what is your youtube channel uh gnostic academy Okay, check that out on yep. YouTube. He's doing amazing work over there. And um, if you guys are really liking what Marty is doing, just like you guys support us here, um, I would ask that you go support Marty over at his website too um, to, to help him and give him the time that he can study into these subjects because people like Marty are absolutely necessary that are willing to go into these books and take hundreds of hours and of time and try to contemplate them and put them out in a way in a comprehensive way that we can try to understand the the occult encodings of them um so just like you guys support us here marty has a similar website i think that i signed up for like three bucks a month for his tithe um just to help him out and any donations are obviously going to really help him out as well um with writing his books and getting out this literature i think this is some of the most important work um on this realm completely if if i if it wasn't for people like marty and crow i would be a complete godless person um and flat earth I, finding out that the earth is flat for a lot of people they're coming around and, and really confused about their religion they're in, they're christian they're jewish they're they're whatever um you guys are it, it doesn't matter people are coming and finding out that the earth is flat and realizing that their churches are not saying are not teaching what their books write the Bible clearly states that the earth is flat. The Quran clearly states that the earth is flat. But none of these religions are going against the scientific community and saying, no, the earth is flat. It's really odd. So I think that this is a really cool way to look at spirituality and religion in general. And I really hope that everybody from the first hour goes and checks out Marty's work. Um, I, it definitely um, will be worth your time if you're interested in these types of subjects. Marty is essentially going to be a key to a door that you um, might have never found before. So um, other than that, I don't have anything else for the first hour and the second hour again we're going to just get into, into more religion and just pick marty's brain and um kind of just converse amongst each other about what we believe in and about religion and things like that so if you want to hear more content um from us and hear the second hour of us talking with marty make sure that you guys are subscribed and our members over here um other than that derek do you have anything else that you want to say in the first hour well i just want to again say thank you and for everybody who's ever been asking us what what are our religious views what how do we view Jesus, how do we view these things? Mm -hmm. We are going to get into that in the second hour. You're going to want to hear this. And again, please, everybody, keep an open mind and understand that we're acting out of love. We are just trying to bring awareness to a dark world. And we'll see you over there. Awesome. Marty, do you have anything else that you want to get across to the first hour? No, I think we covered it. Thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for that. That was nice, guys.
Yeah, yeah. I think it was awesome. Um, I'm super excited for the second hour. We will um, see all of the members over there. And thank you guys for being here.